Welcome to the Black Beat Podcast, where we are unapologetically black, having conversations that matter the most when it comes to elevating the lives of our black community, where we share inspirational, motivational, and educational stories told from the viewpoints of our black brothers and sisters, and where we reinforce the perceptions of capability, significance, and influence that live in each and every one of us. Thanks for joining us. This podcast is hosted by John Washington. It is produced by Flossing Media, and it's mixed and mastered by Stephen Christian. So that you be Welcome, gentlemen, uh, to this edition of PDX Black Beat with your host, John Washington from Flossed Media. Today on the podcast, we have two distinguished guests, uh, people that I happen to admire and appreciate in the community that deals with Black people in our communities and our, and our state. And today I have with me... Um, Mims Rouse, uh, the, the executive director of uh, the Coalition of Black Men. And I have Edie Mondanay, who is also the chair of the NAACP with me today. Today, gentlemen, uh, you know, I pulled you guys together today, man, because, you know, over the last week, I, I knew something was forming, but I wasn't quite sure how to, to articulate it. And, and begin to make some sense out of it. But um, these numbers that have been coming back uh, for, you know, for, for our demographic of Black people in, re in relationship to the Corona-19, the virus-19, um, you know, men are staggering. And so what I wanted to do was to pull you guys together and just have a brief discussion as to how you, how you guys see what's going on, what's your thoughts, about how we as a community should begin to uh, coordinate and begin to address some of these issues that are related to African-Americans in, in this virus. And, and there is a couple of different segments and sections of that that's not only from the health-wise and the overall condition of Blacks in Oregon and in the United States, but also how the financial, what's your perception of how the financial impacts in terms of these rollouts and these types of things, how would we, you know, because we tend to want to believe that the, the, the worst of us or the less of us are generally the ones that receive the least. And so in terms of support and help and that kind of stuff. So what I'd like to do is to start out with um, e, just to get a little check-in with you about you know, some of your thoughts about, you know, what I what, what I began this conversation with. Where, where are you as the NAACP looks at it and the, on the national, especially on the national, and then you can bring it back into the local. But where do you see things at right now, Edie? What's your, what's your sense of your experience going on right now in relationship to this conversation around Corona-19? 
Well, I, I see, I see history repeating itself, and once again, I see that the African American community is the first harmed and the last informed. Uh, statistics don't lie. You know, we're always at the bottom of the pile, and while being at the bottom of the pile, we are the most resilient people on earth. History has taught us that we're resilient, and we're resilient because of these types of things. We always seem to. Uh, uh, muster up sunshine in the midst of thunderstorms. Um, it is imperative that we collect ourselves as a community and stand as a united force, because we are the bottom. Uh, we're at the bottom of the pile, and I'm and I'm an advocate, an advocate believer in this. Uh, when you stir from the bottom, everybody rises. Um, uh, our shoulders are strong, and we need especially. Um, those that are in leadership of, in our community to, to rally the, 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 the troops and to get us to stand together on one page and talk about what it is that we need in this country. Because it's not just the virus that we have to worry about, it's surprise. It's what's going to happen after this is gone. This is going to last. Trump don't last always. Um, but the uh, after effects are going to be with us for an indefinite amount of time. Thank you very much, uh, man. And you, you nailed some of that stuff. I mean, uh, but before we get into the guy, uh, Mims, would you like to share a little bit of your thoughts and how you've been experiencing from your leadership and, and the, uh, the organization that you represent, or just even your personal thoughts? What, what's, how are you receiving some of this information? Yeah, so, um, you know, I rubber stamp everything that um um pastor montney just said um you know we are resilient um this isn't the first time that we've been through um this sort of situation um everything that happens to the united states is amplified in our communities um but you know due to our resilience um we um keep pressing on um all we know how to do is make it um, yeah. yeah. And so we're going to make it through this. Um, you know, I, um, I'd like to see us use a lot more of the technology that is available to us. Um, there seems to be somewhat of an anti-intellectualism um, within our uh, community. And um, I'd like for us to uh, push back on that. I like for us to demand certain things as rights. One of them is access to a computer and access to internet um, because, um, you know, um, it's been said that you can't step into a river twice, uh, into the same river twice uh, because the river is flowing. And um, yesterday is gone. Um, we're living a whole new reality today. And I think that we should let um, tomorrow go and that um, we should consider what technologies we need in order to um, progress. Hmm. Do you think, you know, historically, most of these types of uh, situations, gentlemen, it's like the train leaves the station without us on it, right? And so how do we begin to look at some of the impacts and the flaws, especially things that are coming to light right now? And the fact that the state of our health uh, for the African-American community 
how do we begin to somehow another in your thoughts, how do we begin to look at that on a local level here now? And what 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 should we begin to take a look at? Uh, what, what are your thoughts about our next steps in terms of the, that we're enlightened and informed about our conditioning? You know, um, I happen to believe that most times, you know, we take what the status quo or the majority says to us with a grain of salt or a grain of sand, as you say. And we don't really, we hear it out of the side of our head. They, they said to us, the boogeyman was coming. The boogeyman was coming. And most of us go, well, that boogeyman been coming for a lot of years for us. So, but then was that a reason for me to get in off the street? Or is that a, a reason? Do you think that this virus is a serious matter that we as a people should first and foremost recognize that it is a serious matter? You know, Dr. Um, Ashan, uh, Dr. Ash, uh, Ashwin Bashan, He's a public health expert and assistant professor at Columbia University in New York City. And he and, and I echo his sentiments. This virus is an equal opportunity crisis, but the impact and the burden of it is not just going to be shared equally. Uh, like most things in our society, it's going to be regressive. So it is imperative that we begin uh, to create uh, clarion callers on all fronts to talk about um, the systemic racism that has stood with us and steadily, and, and steadily stands with us uh, in terms of frontline initiatives and making sure that all of us uh, that have will are at the table. We've got to sit at the table and not just be there, but we've got to eat. <laughs> we've yeah. got to partake in the meal. Yeah. And we're not going to do that until you said, hey, you missed me. So... <laughs> it's just not playing a black card. And a lot of us like, oh, you're going to play that black card. Numbers don't lie. Yes. When we look at the numbers, we understand that it is what it is. So therefore, uh, just like, you know, I, I'm, I'm very, very happy um, that the first funding available for small businesses was um, in the Jade District here in, in Portland, Oregon. That was wonderful. I'm glad that the Asians, the richest minority um, that we have, got some help. However, statistically and strategically, um, it, was an, it, it was an error. We always should start with our most vulnerable and those of us that have the greatest need. Equity is not equity if it's given in the wrong places. And I'm telling you something, unless we stand there and make the noise and use our broad shoulders and strong arms, it's not going to happen. So my answer to you is to use our broad shoulders, strong arms, and big voices. We're going to have to kick the door down and say, we're here. Yes. Right? Now, and that's, I echo that sentiment, but I also echo this one part of this expression that goes, you don't have to be born black in Oregon for your blackness to matter here. So make the contribution. You know, I see that comes caption. And I think that sometimes maybe we have this, this uh, double message that we have to our community is that somehow or another is that since you ain't from here, you can't help to do something. You can't move something. Okay, so I'd like to make sure that we get beyond that because we ain't enough numbers most of the time in the state of Oregon for us to begin to even alienate one black person that come here. But I think it's really important that we tend to understand that the most important part that how we were affected in the past was, was that we were not allowed the right to gather, you know, and to make a, and stake a space collectively. And so we still have that um, that uh, that old experience that keeps us like crabs in a bucket, you know. 
And I think it, what, what becomes a real imperative in these times is, is that we forget about all of that and we begin to acquiesce and, 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 and coddle one another and support one another to get beyond. But do you think we can get past that fragmentation to be able to get to the next place in response to this? I mean, because after all, it's going to take a collective effort. So do you believe that there are resources and opportunities in place for us to begin to build some type of collaborative supportive reality to insulate the black community here in Oregon? So I think it's interesting that, um, you know, the pastor mentioned the race card. Um, what many people won't say is that we were given the race card. Um, and so, um, we can play it as we wish um, since we've been granted that um, that race card. Um, for the black community, um, we've got to, um, our leaders within the black community have got to come together and to um, present a strategy um, to us that we can adhere to. Um, and unfortunately, um, we as a community tend to look to other people uh, rather than within our group um, for help. And I don't know when that started, but um, it's never worked to our benefit. Oh, I'm so in support of that. And I was just thinking that, ma'am, uh, not to interrupt you on that, but this whole notion that we always got to get somebody else to help us get to where we're trying to go. Meaning that most of the time, like this last round, let's just allude to this last round of funding to small businesses, right? Now, did anybody know how that selection process went, why they chose the businesses that they chose? And did, was there any kind of system that was a collective reality amongst us that said we would encourage these businesses to be supported and to make sure that these businesses stay in our community? Because you know, is that most of us live from one paycheck to the next paycheck in these small businesses. So do you believe that that process was a process that was structured in a way that was designed to help African-American businesses in our community? Or do you think it was just a process just to help business? So I think that um, just briefly, I think that um, there's no solidarity within the black community to stand in those spaces to say, here's what the black community needs. We need black town hall meetings and they don't have to be um, in person. They can be live via, via the internet, um, but we don't have anyone stepping forward to say, hey, everybody gather around. Um, I need your voice so that I can take that back to these um, power centers, these centers of power. Um, and so, um, you know, that's my, um, my position is that, um, we need a leader. Um, and, um, you know, it's nice if we have multiple ones, but we do need, uh, our voice centralized and, um, presented and, um, too many, too often, um, our leaders here in Portland, um, specifically, um, they um, tend to have one foot in the black community and one foot in other communities and not really doing um, us much service. And so I would really appreciate 
um, someone who speaks uh, solidly um, from our corner. And I'm now I'll be quiet. <laughs> well, well, you, know, you, you know, John, and, 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 and Mims has got, he hit, it, he hit it spot on. Nepotism here, especially, I don't know why, is extremely rampant. And like you said, you have to be from here. I've been here 35 years. My boys were born here. My grandchildren were born here, all of them. And yeah. um, um, I decided to come out of, the, out of, out of my, my, my little corner in, in 2016. And I tell you what, as president of the NAACP, I call hell trying to make changes. But you got to have somebody who speaks without, um, without having uh, the money belt tied around their, uh, around their waist or there's something in it for them. I'm not running for any office. And neither am I uh, looking for somebody to hand me something financially. I'm set. I've been in business here for over 25 years. So we've got to start talking about what's good for our community and not what's just good for our pocket. And unfortunately, we have seen a whole lot of folks that are in this race because of what it can benefit them. We have got to forget about the reward individually and start talking collectively about how this benefits our communities because we've got a lot of folks that um, need us badly and very desperately and uh, we need to be here for them. So I'm again echoing what Mims just said. We've got to create a town hall that says, what do we need and how are we going to get it? A lot of people don't understand what the NAACP does. We're not a service provider, number one. Uh, we will have some services as we go into um, this next quarter and as we go into the next year, 2021, uh, we will provide uh, wraparound services for some initiatives that are already there. However, we must understand that the NAACP is there to support other organizations that support Black idea and Black enterprise. So my job is to make sure that we're at the table and that you get a plate and that you're served. That is what we do. So I'm going to need those people like this extraordinary mind and, and my brother Mims here with the Black Men's Coalition, uh, coalition uh, to come up front and be the experts to say, this is what we need. This is what we've got to have. And this is what we want right now. And we can do that. But we can't do it uh, individually. We've got to do it collectively. What, do you think that we're here in Oregon do you feel that the information about our condition here is, is being truly being revealed or is it on the on the whip coming or do you think that we have to some degree began to mitigate the virus uh, the, the coronavirus 19 here in oregon do you feel we're doing a good enough job for black people to alert them to aware them and to address some of their needs here in this state well, I don't think that we're doing a good job globally. And um, uh, one of the things that have been a curse to the African-American community is access, access to anything, access to information, access to funds, access to uh, 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 just basic needs. Uh, we need to talk about what our survival looks like and our sustainability in cases like this. The, uh, the, 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 this virus has done us a great uh, justice. It has created a, a place across the world that we have to hit the reset button and say, where are we lacking? Now, listen, God has given us a gift. So if we look at this gift and say we don't want it, then that's on us. But now it is time to talk about how does our community stay resilient? 
with the powers that our ancestors have given us and taught us and how do we sustain ourselves and what is it that we need to do to incubate ourselves and make sure that we're getting everything that we need that's up to us and um, I'm, I'm going to challenge all of our men especially to push us towards that mark because uh, that's why we were born men and that's why we have the mantle of taking care of our community now there's a whole bunch of letters I'm going to get and people going to slap me in my face well you don't need to take care of yes we do uh, we're the muscle in our community and we are the, 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 the folks that couldn't do it and can't nobody do it but us. So we're going to have to get up, get up off our tails and begin to stand on our feet and push with everything that we've got to make sure that we get what we need. Now, Edie, you spend some time talking to the mayor. Do you believe the mayor hears the needs of the African-American community here in, in, in Oregon? Well, he's going to hear it every time he see me. And, um, uh, you know, I don't necessarily need anything from him. I was I was good before I met him, and I would be good after I, uh, uh, after he leaves because I'll be here doing uh, this term and the next one maybe, and uh, the one after that. Uh, I don't know, but I do know this: uh, I need the collective voices of our people to go in the room with me to tell me what it is that I need to be telling him. I need you all to tell me what I need to be telling the governor. It's not about what I think. It's about what my community thinks. And it's about the power that stands behind us. And one of the things that we, we that, that we cannot do, I cannot go into any room and begin to downplay or belittle any brother that's in leadership here in our sister, that's in leadership here in our community. Why? Because if I do that, I denigrate uh, uh, the, the entire power of who is at the bargaining table right then and take away from the fact that we are serious and we're real. we got to learn once again to stand together. So when I stand there with the mayor, I can't stand by myself. I need MIMS, I need, and, 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 and you, and every- You were in the midst of saying this one part, which before you uh, got out of there, um, you were saying I really that- would, I really would like to respond to what he said um, because okay. I think there's synergy. Um, Oh, okay. So, um, can you hear me, Pastor? Yes, I can hear you. Oh, okay, great. So, um, what the Coalition of Black Men need, and I think what many other Black um, organizations need, and I've talked to several other Black um, centers of power, is that we need um, first to take inventory of um our organizations right and you know because not everybody is going to join your organization not everybody's going to join my organization but typically somebody's going to everybody's going to join a organization um they're going to um and if not officially they're going to um listen to um any information that comes out of that organization organization and so what I would love, and I've asked one other organization to do it, and they pushed back. Um, um, they simply didn't want to share their information. Um, they okay. said that um, the information they had, they had curated, and it had a value to it, and they weren't going to just give it away. Um, and so that's a problem, um, especially in times like this. I mean, and, um, that philosophy really starts to um, do us harm 
in times like this. But I think that the NAACP um, and the, um, I forget the other really um, large organization here, um, Black organization. Urban League. Urban League. Uh, Urban. Yeah, I think that they can play a really significant role right now in bringing us all together because all of the coalition of Black men need, all we need is an invitation. That's all we need. Tell us when, where, and we're going to tell our constituents um, when and where. And um, I will say that as a group, the um, we need to do some work around trusting each other. And that's yeah. just going to take time. Yeah. But I think that, um, and anyone who knows me knows that I'm not above shaming people. Um, and I think that is a tool that is not very is not used very uh, often, but is very effective. And so, uh, if we take inventory of these um, institutions um, and shame them when they don't show up, yes, sir. You know, here's uh, you know we send an invitation out to such and such and, and such and such, and their leader is this person, and we didn't get a response. If you know how to get in touch with these folks, please let them know that we're trying to get a hold of them. I agree. Um, and I think that we need to stop playing the Portland nice, um, you know, and start getting the black real. Like we know how to get real yes, and sir. use that to our benefit. Yes, sir. Um, yeah. Hmm. Well, you know what, James? I think you're onto something. I think. Historically, though, the question is, how do we get past the apathy? And but then, what centralizes us? What what do we galvanize ourselves around? And do we begin to take out any kind of conversations about the name on the, on the brand, but more so collectively the people that the brand represents and address? And so, and then somehow or another, we come into the room with that intention, that intention to deal with our community. And to be a part of our community, and uh, and it be as a, a significant point, and to the about the the long term welfare of our community. How do we begin to uh, galvanize this process and bring these people in into the room? And so, but tell me this, gentlemen, in your minds, do you believe right now that the end result of this? is going to arrive us to a place that once it's all settled and done and the train leaves the track, do you believe we have positioned ourselves well enough to be able to recover in this from this scenario? Other than our ability to sustain in spirit, what about our, our political and, and economic positions and health positions in this? Do you believe we're doing enough at this point in time to begin to address the needs of our community in these areas? Well, I think that we galvanizing our community, iron sharpens iron. And once again, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm echoing Mem's thoughts. We have got to come together and um, we've got to begin to shame those people uh, that don't come to the table. And we, and we can't be uh, nice anymore. You know, for a long time, I was the nice guy. I didn't, re I, I, I didn't respond to all the nastiness and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But that's, the, that's, a, that's another day. Uh, it's time to stand up and say, wait a minute, uh, this ain't about me. Look, I'm past 60 years old. I got another 30 years to be here, perhaps. 
um, maybe 40, I don't know. Uh, however, we need to understand, Joseph Laurie told me something a couple of years ago. He said, um, you've gotta be able to organize in the grassroots. Um, and when other folks won't come to play, you create people to play with, and it will be, it, it, it'll shame them for not being there. They'll want to be a part of what Absolutely. we do. So what Mims and I are going to have to do is come together and say, the hell with these uh, folks, and, <laughs> and mm -hmm. say, we're going to organize something so spectacular, so mouthwatering, and so juicy, and the uh, fruit from that will be so plentiful that everybody will want to come to eat. We all remember the story about Henny Penny, the hen that wanted to bake the bread. And then when she wanted somebody to help her gather the wheat and crush the wheat and do all the work, they didn't want to do it. But when the bread got baked and they smelled that 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 joker and it, she put butter on it, she said, who going to help me eat it? So they, everybody came to the table. She said, I ain't giving y'all none of it. So, <laughs> so what we're going to have to do is uh, forget about these folks that won't come to the table. We invite them, of course. Yeah. But we ain't going to beg them, but we're going to beat the bushes where the best is. The best is always at the bottom. If you know anything about making a seven-up cake, if you don't, if you if if you don't stir that joker the right way, if you don't uh, 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 um, take your time in mixing it, well then you don't get that crust at the top that makes that seven up cake wonderful. Guess what? We're gonna have to stir from the bottom, and that uh, grassroots is where we're gonna always find our power. Remember this, my brothers. Malcolm X, Medgar Evers, Ralph Abernathy, Dr. Martin Luther King, they were all very unpopular men in their own communities. Absolutely. And it was weak folks that, that, that stood them up. The, the NAACP was founded by white folks. Oh, four yeah. white folks and wow. three black people that, 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 that hewned into an idea. Darling, guess what? Times ain't never changed. We just stopped growing with the times. Yeah. It is time for us to galvanize ourselves Iron sharpening iron began to uh, 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 stir up the roots and and organize, organize, organize. Absolutely, I echo that. Yeah, I echo that one hundred percent. You know, and figuratively, if not actually, um, we need to um, have a press conference where we recognize the leaders of organizations who showed up and then call out the people who didn't show up and let that ground, you know Ooh. you know and and tell you know it'll hurt at first but um Ooh. you know let that because we need we need a true inventory um, yes, you know, we started doing a little bit of that work. It's on our, it's online. We try to recognize um, who's doing work in our communities, but um, it's not complete. Um, and I'd love to work with anybody who wants to just do that work, um, take inventory. Um, when I mean inventory, I mean inventory. I'm talking about um, not only the black run organizations, um, you know, secular organizations, but the churches, um, you know, who are the black pastors um, that I sh there should be a place somewhere um, for that, you know, Ooh. for that, um, that information. Um, and, um, you know, who's running the black mentoring programs, who's running 
the black um, businesses, um, everything. Um, and, you know, it's, we can be pro-black without being anti-other people. And I'm gonna tell you something else too. I think part of what's happening to us is orchestrated. I don't believe the, if we are able to locate the first person to say that um, black people don't get this virus, I'm, I'm not a bed man. That that person wasn't one of us. <laughs> yeah, and, it works our, and it works to our detriment. You know, oh, yes, sir. I, I've heard come out of another black mouth. And actually, so we, we do mentoring. We were in one of the schools when this thing was there, when this thing was just starting to take off. And one of the kids who came to our space said, you know, I heard that black people don't get this. And I was like, wow, this already started, yeah. right? And so when I call down south home and I'm asking about, okay, so how are you guys preparing for this? Because, you know, um, we live in a white, a very white dominated um, area here. And oh. I'm like, these people are taking it very seriously here. You know, yeah. we, we got all types of, um, things being rolled out here, you know, at the government level. Right. And, you know, they're getting their hair done. Um, you know, they're still hanging out under the tree. You know, no one's really taking yeah. it seriously. Yeah, in the park, all that, you know. Yeah, and so. Dawson Park, same old thing. Right, and so part of me says, well, I know what it is. It's, it's a generational, historical, you know, being underserved historically. Uh, systemic, systematically, all that stuff. Um, oh, right. And we've got to, um, with a clear voice, singular voice, educate our people that we're having, um, someone's pulling the okie doke. You know, uh, we can get this. Um, no, it shouldn't um, make us... Um, <laughs> It shouldn't paralyze us with fear, um, but at the same time, let's be um, the uh, let's use the mind that God gave us, right? right? Let's be smart about this. Right. Yeah, um, I, I think I hear Mem saying that we have to be the voice of reason. Yes, and 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 you know they say black don't crack. You know, I just recently wrote an article uh, that appeared in the Scanner, the Observer, the Times, the Gazette. They talked about the resiliency of black people. Why are we resilient? Because we've been through this. But not only that, uh, we've understood what to do and done it. And we're gonna have to get in our places to where we know that we can push and actually push. So I'm gonna challenge us to a town hall meeting. I'm gonna mm -hmm. set it up mm -hmm. and uh, the NAACP will take the lead mm -hmm. and we will invite all the people that, that will and shall to come and sit at the table mm -hmm. and uh, make sure that we understand what our collective need is and begin to move forward from there. Well, you know, Edie, that's a, that's a bold claim and that's a bold step because that would have been my next question is to how do we begin and where do we begin? And, and you know, gentlemen, I do really thank you both for showing up today and, and, and sharing a little bit of your insights. You know, uh, but before we, we end the podcast, 
you know, I'm no conspiracy theorist, but I am one of those intellectuals that like to delve deeper into things <laughs> a little bit here and there. Along the lines of this the, uh, virus 19, there are parallel conversations, you know, about the government, about this and that. Which one of those parallel conversations seem to bring out loudest in your ear? But MIMS is not, uh, not uh, being um, uh, exempting the one you just talked about, about how the systemic reality of, of how, how we're placed today, where we're placed today, how we're going to be affected over the long haul of this, is just the way it's going to play out. But, you know, when we, when we think about it, if we're at the bottom of the rung and these, this thing hits and, and our issues around our, our, our health and our issue about our economic position in our society, all those things, they're mitigating. They're going to all play itself out the way it's set up. When the virus hit, we were at the bottom. We had problems with our health. You know, we have stressors that no other population has that contributes to a lot of that mitigating stuff, lack of education, lack of exposure to the Internet, all of these types of things that are readily available. How do we how do we just begin to take the low hanging fruit and begin to mitigate that? But we can come back to that in a different podcast. But the one thing I was going to just which part, which one of those parallel conversations not to look, not to talk too much about conspiracy, but which one of the parallel conversations to the virus are, is ringing out in your head, such as the issue about Trump, uh, it being a, a a biological warfare weapon, and and all these types of things. Which one for you seems to be ringing out in the head as a parallel conversation? Well, I don't know who said it, but somebody said when white folks get a cold, we get pneumonia. Um, <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> yep. So, so uh, we have to understand that that's really real, and that's no conspiracy. That's just the truth. So, understanding, you know, that um, whatever affects the rest of the world affects us five times worse. That's where we got to be. And understanding this, uh, if there's no toilet tissue on the shelves for the general population, we ain't gonna get none for two years. So, again. <laughs> um, uh, galvanizing our community, iron sharpening iron, and getting ready to do the fight that we got to go through. And I think that in calling this town hall meeting um, and beginning to lift the voices that are there, that's going to give us the win to go where we need to go. We've been there before. We've done that before. We'll be there again, and we'll be represented once again as the resilient Black people that we are, and we're going to prove to the world that Black don't crack. Yeah, and I, yeah, and I say this, you know, um, what we can't do is we can't allow the politics um, of things to hinder us. Sometimes we look at the politics and consider them um, insurmountable, and the politics there—they are a—it's um, an illusion, right? And so what we need to do is we need to speak clearly about what we need and let them worry about the politics of it um, and keep saying what we need until they work out the politics of it. Because one of the things that we want um, that everyone knows is that money doesn't really exist. The only thing that exists is what you can feel, taste, touch, here, you know, um, this, um, it was um, W. Bush who said it best. 
um, and it was during the um, Iraq war. He said that everyone's walking around talking about um, money. And he said that if we run out, we'll just print more. Cool. Right. And so that apparently seems to be the strategy now because we pulled two trillion dollars out of nowhere. Yeah, right? yeah, which could have cured our, our poverty problem in this country a long time ago. <laughs> you know, a long time ago. So, don't get caught up in the financial aspects of it. Don't get caught up in the politics of it. Get caught up in what you need and and shaming the politicians until we get what we need. Um, they don't get our vote. They don't get to um, stand beside us and cry um, until we see um, we see a difference. You know, there, there, there's, a, there's an interesting thought I had. I think there's something like 367 million people in America. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how many of those people are black, but I know it's marginal. Mm -hmm. Um one billionaire, one of our billionaires could give us each a million dollars and we'd be yeah. all right. <laughs> <laughs> the beat does stop. The beat does stop. Hey, y'all, listen here. We do appreciate y'all, you know, coming in. And just don't, for no reason, folks and y'all listeners, believe that this ain't about you. We want Black Beat to be about you because the beat don't stop. You understand? We continue to move forward. And we continue to forge ahead, forge ahead with enlightening information, with information that would assist you in the improvement of your life. So stay tuned. Come this way. Come check the information out on this site. Black Beat is here for you. We want to make sure that you're properly and adequately educated and informed and inspired to believe that you can move to the next level in life. So tune in with us. Stay with us. And the beat still moves on. And it will continue to move on, y'all. PDX Black Beat. Hey, brothers, y'all, thank y'all very much for coming around here and hanging right. out. Invite. Yeah, say that. Hey, man, nah, this was real neat, man. I appreciate it. But, uh, Edie, I'm looking forward to that invitation to that town hall. Yes, sir. And it's going to be really nice to see if we can just keep adding people to this digital kind of format. You know, man, be able to see how many people we can put in this little screen here, you know, as a downtown hall meeting. I mean, because oh, I didn't think was you talking about having one physically after this was all over? Because I'd like to see one done digitally right no, now. No, we need one yesterday. Yes, the sir. day before yesterday, yeah. ma'am. What kind of platform we're going to use for that? And let's start sending out some of these invites, man. Because uh, it's going to be real important for us to just stay diligent in the process. I'm sick and tired of watching uh, the status quo always have to come out to be the deciders on who is gonna be successful in our community versus who's not. They didn't make us, they're not gonna break us, and we're gonna be real important about how we're gonna step ahead and achieve some of the things, or intentional is what I'm meaning, that we're gonna be intentional about the things we're going to achieve from here. So gentlemen, again, have a great afternoon, stay safe, don't do nothing I wouldn't do. Uh, at some point in time, I'm going fishing, because I know ain't too many people gonna be on the fishing holes. So, so. So Just practice social distancing. Yes, sir. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, we at that age right now. We can't, we can't afford to get nothing but some money. You yeah. <laughs> Be safe. Be safe. <laughs> but I do appreciate y'all brothers coming in, man. And uh, again, if we can be of any help to you, 
Uh, when we get this uh, finalized, we'll get it out to you. Get it out to your people. Let them hear what you guys got to say. And we do appreciate you. You hear? And uh, oh, thank you. Soon come, gentlemen. I'll talk to you soon. God bless you. God bless you too. Amy.